today, uh, what a timely word, by the way, and you're going to see how it lines up, uh, titled the sermon today, The Secret Place. And uh, today is going to be potentially a little unique, uh, but I feel like the Holy Spirit certainly is guiding and leading us into this series. And the reason why we're going to do a series called Rethink Religion is because in our previous series, Dealing with Sin, in case you forgot, just about every single one of you, unless you weren't here, stood and repented. And the word repent means to change the way you think. Come on. I love it. I love it when you give the answers. It's such, so good. It's encouraging to my spirit that you listen and pay attention and learn. But um, so that there's a rethinking that's going on. And that word rethink has been like deeply planted inside of me over the past few weeks. And so I feel like the Lord's leading us really into this series about rethinking and when you look at the life of Jesus and certainly look at his ministry, he's constantly getting people to rethink about certain topics. And in Matthew chapter 5, you see the first sermon preached by Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going to go through a variety of topics uh, from money to uh, marriage to uh, how you handle life, what's important, what matters, and he's going to cover all these topics, fasting is one of them, and all of it is trying to get people to reshape or rethink uh, about scripture. Many of these people were religious leaders or Jewish uh, who had read the law over many of years, and he's trying to get them to rethink about God and how they see God, and so it's this constant pushing to rethink. And so today, again, the title is The Secret Place. And today, specifically, I want to hone in on rethinking prayer. Rethinking prayer. And so no matter what you come in with today, no matter how much discipline you have in your prayer life, I want to invite you to rethink prayer and what prayer is and what it means. And I know many of you also so say, I know what prayer is, and you have a lot of really cool lines about what prayer is and what prayer means. I'm going to also invite you to today to, to rethink again about what prayer means. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's in your sermon notes as well, and we put it on the screen. And if you're watching online, we put it underneath, so everybody's going to get it either way. All right, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching Sermon on the Mount, and he goes into this topic of prayer. The invitation, again, to his audience and his listeners is to rethink prayer. And here's what he says. Matthew writes this, and when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, if you were listening to this Jesus in this moment, in this context, when he called them hypocrites, the word that would have popped into their minds would be the word actor. Because in their culture, they would have been grown up and seen different theaters around them. If you look into culture and ancient culture, you'll see theaters outside with stone walls and kind of this elevated atmosphere. And so the idea there that Jesus is saying is these people are like actors. You know, they, 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 they take on a whole personality. And you think about an actor, they put a mask on, they put costumes on, and they take on a whole nother identity. It's not their real self, it's they're acting as someone else. But it's not really their real personality, it's not their real self. He says, don't be an actor when it comes to prayer. He's teaching his listeners in a way that they would fully understand, which I'm going to do in just a minute, Keep that in mind, okay? Jesus always taught in a way that his audience would understand in their culture. 
He says, don't put on a mask. Actors act to be seen by others. They, they act for an applause or a recognition. And this, of course, is what he is saying about this group of people. They're praying to be seen by others. And this is their, their thought pattern as it relates to prayer. And so Jesus is pushing in on motives. That the motive, of course, is wrong. They're entering prayer with completely the wrong motive. This is what he teaches in. And then he continues to have them rethink what prayer is. It says in verse 6, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. A couple of words to just help us understand this. Number one, he says, when you pray, there's an expectation, of course, to pray. He says, go into your room. The room is a storage chamber. It's a secret place. It's a place where you hide treasures. The room isn't just a, a room in the context that you might think of your bedroom or a particular room in the home, but it's go away to this place where oftentimes treasures were kept, a storeroom in the house where the valuable stuff is. He says, let it be done in secret, hidden or concealed. That's a hidden place. Go to this secret place, this hidden place. In other words, a place that you try to hide. Any of you ever gone into prayer and you try to hide what's really in your heart? I know none of you ever do that. You're like, no, fully God, whatever you want to do in my life, right? But he's saying there's some people that go into prayer times and, and it's like you're trying to hide what's really in your heart. Just don't do that. Go to a hidden place. And he says, oh, by the way, in this hidden place, this secret place, there's a reward. The reward is simply a discharge, what is due things that are promised under an oath, meaning that God has promised certain things to us. And in that secret place, he says, when you go away in secret, when you allow these hidden things to get exposed, I will fulfill what I've promised in your life. That's a powerful thinking there, that to think Man, when I go into this secret place with God, he's going to reward me. Then verse seven, it says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. And then he says, for they think, this is their thought pattern to prayer, they think they're gonna be heard because of their many words. It's an invitation, change the way you think. Don't babble on. The word babble simply means meaningless repetition. He's not pushing against repetition in of itself. Jesus prayed the same prayer three times when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let this cup pass over me. Does it multiple times. He's not pushing against going against going to God for the same request over and over again. It's meaningless repetition. You say, what's meaningless repetition? Meaningless repetition is when I go and I say something to God with real no intention to fulfill what I'm saying that I'm going to do. It's meaningless. It's pointless. It's empty words. Right? It's like going to God and begin to conversate with God without really intention or desire to change. So let's say you go to God, you start to begin to present your request to God, but in your heart, you have real no desire to change your will that will be in accordance with his will. This is meaningless repetition. You get your devotion book out, you check the box, you read the Bible, but real no desire to change whatever it is that God is wanting to do in your life. Jesus says, don't do that. Do not be like them, he says, for your father knows what you need before you Ask him. Their thinking was completely wrong, and he's trying to readjust their thinking. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. Prayers are measured by weight, not length. 
There's weight to the prayer, and Jesus is pushing on that. This is not about the amount of time you spend in prayer, how many times you spend in prayer, because if you were a Jew in this day, you were really disciplined in your prayer life. So evidently to Jesus, he doesn't say this is about how much discipline you have, but where's your heart at when you're praying? So then Jesus, we of course know this Lord's Prayer. It's better termed, I think, as the people's prayer, the disciples' prayer. But then Jesus goes on to teach, and I'll just read the first two lines. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He begins with going through the Lord's Prayer. And the first line he starts with is, here's the starting place for prayer. To get God's will into your heart. It's not about your desire, it's about what God desires for you. So you could write this in your sermon notes, just a couple of quick notes today. Prayer is where we align our thinking to God's thinking. I mean, you could break it down to the core of it, but prayer, this place that God wants to bring us to, is where our thoughts kind of get in alignment with his thoughts. Not that his thoughts, of course, we know are higher, Scripture says, I understand that, so his thoughts are higher, so then he'll start to implement or He'll try to put into our thoughts and our hearts and help us understand what it is he wants us to, where he wants us to go, how we should behave, how we should act, what we should let go of, what we should change. And he begins to mold us and shape us into his image. So I want to show you what happens when you go into the secret place. I just thought I would read a scripture passage to you. You say the secret place that Jesus is inviting his audience into, go away and shut your door. The secret place. What happens in the secret place? I want to show you. Scripturally, and then I'll tell you a personal story. Acts chapter 9. You don't have to turn there. It's a reference. You can go read it later, but I'll read part of it to you now. I'm going to read verses 1 through 20 so we get right through the text. Meanwhile, Saul, who later becomes Paul, who wrote over half the New Testament, he says this. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's Jesus, by the way. Jesus was most often referred to as the way. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now just, you all know what's happening in Israel today and the war that's broken out. And I just want to read that first line one more time. Saul is breathing out murderous threats against Jews. I mean, if there's a clear evidence that this guy is the enemy of the Jews and he wants them wiped out, or at least these people who are claiming to be Jews who've turned to Gentile and mistreating the law, and and these are Jewish people who are converting to Christianity, Messianic Jews, if you would, modern day maybe, and he's like planning their murders. Ultimately, if you were to ask Paul at this particular time, he'd be doing it in God's name in a way because he thought this was heresy, this was wrong. And so he is lining up people and having them assassinated and in his mind, this is right. Now, I would say that's not good (laughs) and that's a good place to be if you're with the Lord and But watch what happens to Paul, okay? We all know, many of you know. If you don't know, watch this. This is incredible. Well, one day he's walking, verse four. He says, he falls to the ground. He hears a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. 
Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but didn't see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything. He is forced into a fast, right? Verse 10, Damascus, there was a disciple's name, Ananias, Ananias, and the Lord called him to the vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he said, all right? Verse 11, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street, all right? And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. So you see, Paul is in this place of prayer. He's blinded, he's fasting, and he's been there for three days. He's in a secret place. Verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Verse 17, skip down. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you may see again and this time you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. He got a new perspective. He gets a new way of thinking. How do we know that? Because watch what happens. He got up, was baptized. He repents, changing of thinking, and now he gets baptized in the name of Christ. Three days, and after taking some food, he regains his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And then verse 20. At once, he begins to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. What the heck? Can you imagine a person executing people because they follow a God thing and all of a sudden their whole life gets transformed and they're preaching that Jesus is the son of God? I mean, this whole thing is incredible when I think about it. Anybody else just like, wow, that's pretty. What happens in the secret place? There's a transformation that happens in secret places. Write this in your sermon notes. God transforms us more often in secret places than sanctuary palaces. Now, that may not actually make any sense from a sentence structure, but it sounded good, so I just thought I'd go with it, okay? So if you're an English teacher, you're like, that doesn't make sense, that's okay. But he transforms us in secret places more than sanctuary palaces. I found that to be true in my life. That most of the transformation that has occurred in my life has most often occurred in a, sanctuary, in a secret place than it has in a church atmosphere setting. And I'm not saying that he can't transform us in church atmosphere type settings, concert type settings. I am saying that most transformation I have found often in my life occurs in a secret place than it does in a big palace. A lot of times people will go to concerts and uh, retreats and conferences, and certainly God does great work, but I have found most of my transformation happens in a secret place, a hidden place. There are four words that I love to hear in my house. They are my favorite Words. I get so excited when I hear these words, I leap internally. I'm pumped. I'm excited. 
And here are the four words that I love to hear the most in my home. Go lock the door. I know, I know, I know. We have four kids. And it's typically somewhere around 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. Kids go down, hopefully. And then 9.30 rolls around. And if my wife says to me, go lock the door. Come, I'm preaching in a way you're going to get it. <laughs> Man, you don't have to tell me twice. unless the Red Sox are playing, but you, <laughs> or if it's fourth quarter, man, it's close. Like, just one second. No, so. <laughs> Go lock the door. I know when I hear those words, something's about to go down. This is gonna be good for me. And I hope her. Right? I'm telling you, I'm preaching that you're going to be like, I'll never forget that one. So the door locks, and uh, we put a dimmer. We dim the lights a little. Anybody? No, you don't have to raise your hand. It's fine. But you do this stuff, right? Whatever you do. And we got one of those Hey Google speakers. And every once in a while, I'd be like, Hey Google. <laughs> Put on some Brian McKnight, you know. <laughs> some of you have no idea. Brian McKnight, didn't see that coming. Hey, it's in secret, okay? Let me do what I do in secret. So I go to this secret place. And man, music, lights are dim, and wonderful things are happening. Okay, it's a secret place. And then I hear these words. Mommy! Mommy! I'm like, oh my goodness. No, no, he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And then, Mommy! <laughs> And like, we locked the door for a reason. Anybody ever been there? Mommy! And you're like, really? See, hands up, come on. Just, and I, he's fine, he's fine. He's like, he's three years old. He's like, figure it out. He can get his own milk and figure, figure it out. <laughs> so, we're in the secret place. And I noticed something about me in the secret place that you probably noticed about you in the secret place. And you might have to explain this to your middle schooler later on. I'll leave that for you to do. Okay, so uh, a transformation occurs in the secret place. Because I don't know about you, but, you know, the day is taxing and it's like stressful. A lot of thoughts in my brain about work and life and stuff. But then right after this moment in the secret place, man, I feel different. And if it's in the morning time, I, I have found myself doing this. I'm like, oh, man, and, you know, and then the secret place happens, you know. And then, then I walk out. 
I'm like, hey kids, who wants some eggs, bacon, bagels? We got donuts, man. We're a transformation has occurred. Like, Dad, you know, why are you happy today? And I can't really fully explain. Just say, man, just time with the Lord, you know. Uh, the secret place. See, I, I say that in a way that I know you understand. You, you comprehend that. And oftentimes, the enemy will try to get you away from the secret place. But it's much easier to fight off the enemy's voice when I know what's going to happen in the secret place. A transformation's going to occur. And I think what Jesus is say to you and say to me today is just this is the line I wanted to preach into your heart and I don't think it's fully out of context because he calls the church his and he is the creator of all things amen yes that too so if he calls us his bride and one day he's going to come back for his bride. I think what Jesus would preach to, to us today, put it in our hearts, what he put in my heart for us to understand is prayer is an invitation. Go lock the door. It's about to get real intimate. And you're going to come out completely different that's what prayer does it's not meaningless repetition it's not length it's not words it's not a discipline you need to have it's an invitation go lock that door and when you hear those words in your home now God tell me twice I want you to see that God wants to work something special in your life. And I'll show you something, and then we'll wrap up. There's a, I'm gonna grab this real quick. Today, it's interesting, I went to the office, print off sermon notes, and on my wall hangs this picture. And you probably can't tell, but it's Pastor Joel, I'm in the middle, my wife, and he's uh, laying his head, his hands on me, praying for me. October 19th, 2008, the church laid hands on me and ordained me as a pastor. And uh, in, today's the 15th, so in four days, it'll be 15, 15 years as a pastor. You don't have to, it's not about, no, it's like, I'm not, look at me, no. You missed the sermon, this is not about me. Definitely not about me. Here's why I wanted to show this to you. Because today, I passed by my office and I saw that photo and I saw my certificate of ordination next to it with the date. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And so I just felt prompted to share this with you. Before this, Saul. I don't have time. Never my wildest thoughts would I ever see this happen. Not even in my thoughts at all, ever. 
And then I was reflecting back on how did, how did this happen? How did this happen? How did this happen? And I have the answer. Jesus made an invitation. Go lock the door, Ricky. And I could tell you, most of your transformation is waiting for you in a secret place. Not in a devotion, check a box, car ride over, listening to a song. I know he can speak anywhere. I understand. He's omnipresent. But I am telling you, something happens in secret places with God. And secret is that hidden place where he goes to work inside our own hearts. And he chisels away who we are. And he makes us more like him. And I will tell you that most of the transformation that happens in my life and the lives of those that I meet with, that God completely transforms their life, it happens in secret places. And today, God wants to invite you, go lock the door. And let me tell you, you are never too old to go lock that door. At least I hope not. I'm not there yet, but I, I hope I never have to experience that. Like, I, I love when those words happen. And I assume I will love those words. I assume I'll love those words when I'm 60. And maybe I don't want to think about the rest. But, you know, secret places, church. Prayer is an invitation to be intimate with God. Why would you not want to go lock the door? Don't microwave him into your day. It's an invitation. Take it away with our Lord.